Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So a few months ago, I got to catch up with one of the incredible women from our Girls' Night community, and she had just graduated from college. She was in the thick of it, trying to answer the question we all find ourselves wrestling with at one point or another, what am I supposed to do with my life? Or at least with the next few years. She was holding her brand new degree in one hand and a few different opportunities in the other hand, and she had no idea what to do. The moment felt like such a pivotal one, and she was absolutely feeling the pressure. She reached out to me specifically because several of the things that she was weighing, her specific degree, and a few of the specific opportunities she was considering were crazily similar to the ones I was weighing when I first graduated from college. So we hopped on the phone and we talked through it together. I shared with her some of the things that I learned as I was taking my first steps into my career, as I was walking away from my degree and into a job that paid next to nothing and that on a lot of levels made absolutely no sense. But also I told her it did make sense and it led directly to everything that I'm doing today. Okay, not directly, there were several twists and turns and falls along the way as well. But as I'm sharing that story with her, I realized that I'm not totally sure I've shared the story with you guys. And so that's what we're doing here today. I've brought my dear friend Mari back on the show to take over the host chair and she's gonna help me walk back through my own personal career story. Whether you're just graduating college or you're in a different stage of life completely, I know there are so many women in our community who are just trying to make some big decisions right now or waiting for something or longing for something or hoping for something to happen in their careers, but it just hasn't happened yet. I know there are also so many women who have a general idea of what they wanna be doing in their careers, but they have no clue how to actually get there. I also know there are a lot of us who have no clue what we wanna be doing, but we know for a fact it's not what we're actually doing today. Friends, this episode is for you. It's the story of where I started, where I am today, and all of the twists and turns that happened in the middle. I can't wait to share this story with you. But before we dive in, I have some huge news that I have been just dying to tell you about. This coming Wednesday, November 10th, I finally get to reveal a whole brand new shop with you guys, along with a whole new collection of gifts and resources and gear specifically designed for our Girls' Night community. Guys, I've been working on this so hard behind the scenes for months and months and months now, and I am over the moon to finally get to share this out with you. And especially now that the holidays are around the corner, this feels extra fun. Um, I've put together a whole collection of gifts that are perfect to get for your girlfriends or for yourself. And they're all designed to remind you of who you are, who God is, and that we're all in this together. One of the things I wanted to make sure to tell you about specifically is that we have a brand new collection of Girls' Night sweatshirts. We've totally redesigned them. We have a bunch of different colors, a bunch of different styles, and they are so fun. I love the way they turned out. The sweatshirts are a way of repping the Girls' Night community, as well as a celebration of the total magic that happens when we gather together as girlfriends. Also, they are so soft. I've been wearing mine in rotation for months. Now, there's so much more in the shop that I can't wait for you to see as well, and so make sure to head over to my website first thing on Wednesday morning. The website is stephaniemaywilson.com. Again, it's stephaniemaywilson.com. And I'm so excited about this. All right, friends, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Mari. Hey, friends, I am so excited for who I'm sitting here with today. I'm sitting here with my dear friend, just one of my favorite people on the whole planet, my dear friend Mari. Mari, thank you for coming back on Girls' Night. Of course. I'm excited to be here. Um, just so you guys have a mental picture of where we are, we are currently sitting on the floor of my closet. Mm -hmm. It's very official and professional here. We will make sure to take a picture so you guys can see it. But we're having sort of a, a great Girls' Night in a weird location. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I end up sitting on the floor of my friend's closet sometimes at girls' night, so it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. It feels like the best place to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so Mari, for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, will you tell us who you are, what you mm -hmm. do, and a fun fact about yourself? Sure. So I am Mari, Mariko, Mariko Clark Strayton, all the different versions of my name. Um, those of you who know me on Instagram know me as Mariko Clark. All my friends call me Mari. I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. I'm a storyteller. And a fun fact about me is my latest writing venture, actually. 
I am writing a story Bible for kids. Uh, well, I guess for grownups too, if you want it. Mm-hmm. It's called The Book of Belonging. If you are, I mean, I guess I can give the, the short version and you can learn more at thebookofbelonging.com. But um, it started when my my little girl, Ada, who a lot of you know, asked me if um, God loves boys more than girls. Um, and it just cut me to the core. The story Bible we have for her only has two girl stories in it, stories about women. And she just, the fact that she got that idea from her Bible just fired me up. So I've been on this mission for the past year or so. I'm working with an amazing illustrator. So we're launching on Kickstarter on October 19th. And I can't wait to share more. So like I said, you can learn more at thebookofbelonging.com or just follow along. If you're following me on Instagram, I'll be posting a lot about it. So if you're following me on Instagram, I'll be posting a lot about it too. Uh, I appreciate it. I do have to say that I asked Mari to make that her fun fact. It's maybe, not that fun. Maybe but It's really fun. Um, I was like, Mari, we need to do a fun fact and this should be your fun fact. I appreciate you pushing me in that way. You always do. You're a good friend. Well, so... Uh, today we've done this a couple times, Mari, but, mm-hmm. um, I feel like we can go ahead and call you our like official, unofficial, like co-host of girls night because oh, you have, so honored. you have stepped <laughs> into the host chair so many times for me. And I'm so grateful because there are pieces of my story or things I've learned that I really want to be able to share, but it's really awkward having a girls night by yourself. You want to sit in your closet by yourself? I mean, I feel like <laughs> Talk just, to yourself. Yeah, I feel like it's better this way. Um and so uh today we're going to give kind of the the backstory on how our corner of the internet came to be mm-hmm. and uh how like all the twists and turns that got me to the place that I am right now in mm-hmm. my work because uh, one, it's a really cool story, and uh, I just I love what God has done in it. And so I, I know that I've never told the story from beginning to end, mm-hmm. and I really want you guys to know it. I feel like you should know this. And then the other thing is that I recently had just the honor of getting to talk to one of our Girls' Night listeners on the phone for a while, um, oh, cool. and it was so much fun. She uh, just graduated from college, and we were talking a lot about career and um, next steps and the transition from college into the real world, which mm. is crazy. And, but she was just really talking about how she's in kind of a between place with her work. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot that we are all in between places mm-hmm. in our work a lot of times. And it's for a lot of different reasons. Like, um, sometimes, you know, we feel like we're supposed to have a five year plan of where we're going in life, but we don't have one and we have no idea what we want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so we feel like we're kind of spinning our wheels. Or sometimes, you know, we think we know where we want to go, but then we get to the next place and we realize like, this is not it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, we thought where we, we, we thought we knew where we wanted to go, but someone else changed the trajectory. Like, you know, getting, we got let go from a job or something. Yeah. Or sometimes we know where we want to go or we think we know where we're going, where we want to go, but it's happening so slowly or it seems like doors are just consistently getting shut in our face. And so Mm -hmm. like we just, we're just not sure where we're headed or or how to get there. And so today I just wanted to share some of the stories of how I've gotten through some of those moments Mm -hmm. because while it felt really twisty and turny on the way there, when I look back, it's really cool to see how God used so many of those like how he just was weaving something really purposeful through all the things that felt like missteps to me. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool getting to share that with the Girls Night listener I got to talk to on the phone. And so I wanted to make sure to share that with you guys too. I think that's a great idea. I think also like a lot of times we don't see uh, other people's journey, especially someone like you where a lot of your friends are on the internet and they they see the, the final product of like you in this career that they're admiring you and following you, but they don't see the twists and turns. And it's easy to assume that you just showed up here in all of your your success and it, there's so much more to it. And I, as your friend, know the nuances of it, even though I don't know all of them and I'm excited to learn more about it today. But um, I think that it puts some um, some reality to it and makes it feel more achievable, I think, as, as someone who, anyone who is looking to to grow. Yeah. I love hearing people's backstories because it just, there's always something about it that just really resonates with me where I'm like, oh, they've had that insecurity too. Or yeah. like they, you know, had this major failure too, or a major flop or like, mm-hmm. um, they felt really lost too. It's like finding out that other people have felt those things too helps you know that that's not 
the end of your story. Like that you yeah. can see it in their story. That wasn't the end for them. Yeah. So that must mean that it's not the end for me either. Yeah. So. It helps you be braver. I get it. Yeah. More brave, braver. I don't know. <laughs> You're the writer here, Mari. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mari, you have a handful of questions for me. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and you now have the <laughs> talking stick. All right. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. Okay. Yeah. You have the talking stick. Oh yeah. I'll take it. Okay. Okay. So I think we should start. You should tell us about your job as it is today. Some some of the women friends listening might not fully know, or maybe they just know a piece of it, but not the full story. So you have a podcast. This podcast. This podcast. <laughs> you have a podcast. I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, is this your full-time job? And what else do you do? I think would just be give it overview. Yeah. Um, I may need, need your help with this because yeah. it's... My job is one of those ones where like my parents just learned how to say what I do and like they're not even sure. And like I recently I had to talk to like an insurance guy and like trying to explain what I do is just, I don't know, kind of difficult. But um, so, yeah, I am an author and a podcaster and really a best friend. And that's like the heart of it for me. We'll talk about this more, but really in everything, I just want to be who I needed when I was younger. Mm. Um, there's a quote. I don't even know who said it first, but I, I love that idea. I just want to be who I needed when I was younger. And so I have, yes, a podcast. Um, this has been around for like almost four years, I think. Yeah. Um, which That's is crazy. Wild. And I am an author. I've written a handful of books. I would, I have to count to remember how many. I'm not totally sure. It I might teach. be two handfuls at this point. Oh, yeah. It really <laughs> might be two handfuls. That's wild. Yeah. So maybe two handfuls of books. <laughs> I teach an online course. I have two actually and maybe more coming. Whoa. Can't believe I said that out loud. <laughs> might have to edit that out later. Um, and uh, have a little online shop. I write mm-hmm. blog posts. And yeah, really the whole heart of it, it's it comes in different mediums, you know, different forms. But my heart in all of it is to just be like the friend that I needed when I was younger, I always yeah. found so much value in having someone who was like a step and a half ahead of me yeah. to be able to be like, you're okay. Yeah. This is hard, but you're going to get through it. Try this. Don't do that. That's not going to help you. Or, yeah. you know, just to kind of, to, to be with me along the way and give me like some pointers. Um, Mar, you've been that for me in so many ways. A huge one though is in motherhood. Oh, um, I tell you that all the time, but like Mari is like my mom role model. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's so nice to have someone who's close enough to you that they remember what it was like, mm-hmm. but far enough ahead of you that they're not in the thick of it anymore. Yeah. And so they can like, you know, guide you. Like if you're going through a maze, like one of those Halloween mazes or something, yeah. and you have someone who's like above, they can be like, turn left, turn right. I yeah. feel like that's, what I've needed for so many, in so many different seasons of life. And so that's what I try to be. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think that shines through. That is like the very obvious common thread in everything that you do. And I can vouch for that because I used to work with you and it's true. I did. Yep. So is this, is this picture you just painted, is that what you always wanted to do? Uh, not exactly. I, I didn't have, I mean, I think if I had like a childhood dream of like what I wanted to be when I grew up it's probably like a ballerina or something mm-hmm. um so it, it wasn't like I I you know the I, the funny thing is that this wasn't a job when I was a kid That's true. this you wasn't a job it, yeah, yeah I couldn't have dreamed of this and this wasn't a job a couple of years ago mm-hmm. so that's also a cool thing to remember is like the thing that we may do in the world may not may not exist yet so cool. but there were like threads of it my grandmother she it's just the coolest person. This is just a real side note for a second. But my grandmother, my mom's mom, um, her name was Anne, and she was an identical twin. And she's just she was one of my favorite people in the world. And that's actually why we named one of our twins Annie. 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 So anyway, my grandma, she had a like a big like karaoke machine, like tape player thing um at her house, and it had a microphone hooked up to it, and it was like really easy to record yourself on a cassette tape. And so my little sister and I would do radio shows and I've been able to hear them back. And I don't know how old I was, but she was probably three. And I always made her do like the weather segments and like traffic and commercials and things like that. And I don't know what I would talk about, but so Kelly and I would do that growing up. And I also did have like moments when I would like write books. That was like, I think my favorite part of first grade. Yeah. And kind of my, my claim to fame is that in fourth grade, I started, this was in the height of the Beanie Baby craze. Oh, um, good times. I, seriously. <laughs> uh, and I created a Beanie Baby stuff store. That's what it was called. What? 
And we made Beanie Baby sleeping bags and like collars and leashes. (laughs) And really, I had not a whole lot of skill to offer to the business, but my mom did. My mom had a sewing machine. So basically, I put my mom to work. Um, I'm really sorry about that, mom, but also thank you. But I, I could do like... I could make the collars and leashes and stuff. But anyway, my my shop got shut down because it was a distraction in fourth grade. Oh, so no. I know. That's actually like the highest compliment you could have gotten. I know. <laughs> the I shutdown. Know. I know. I got fourth the sh- grade shutdown. Fourth grade shutdown. Um, so, so this wasn't like my dream growing up because I just couldn't have pictured this. But it's cool to look back and see little threads of yeah. who I've kind of always been and how that's how those things, those little seeds have grown into like who I am now. That's so cool. Mostly the Beanie Baby thing was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Everything else was okay. Everything else was okay. (laughs) So I know that a lot of your story is you dreaming of something and barreling towards that thing, but then getting rerouted on the way. And I know that happened right at the beginning when you were trying to decide where to go to college. That was the first time you had a major dream that you ended up changing midway through. Is that right? Yeah. I, my dream, like one of the first dreams I can remember was that I wanted to go to college in California and I grew up in Colorado and I just, for some reason, like I wanted to be at the beach. I wanted to be in California. And I mean, I had like pictures of different schools printed out and like taped on my binder, my freshman year of of high school. And like, I mean, I was barreling towards this and I ended up applying to the university of Colorado kind of last minute. And I mean, the school is awesome. It's more just that it was in state for me. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I just, that wasn't part of my dream. I really, really wanted to go to a school in California. So I applied to like, you know, nine schools in California and then this one lonely school in Colorado. And, um, as I was getting all my acceptance letters and denials, mm-hmm. I lost a really good friend to suicide. And, uh, the day before he died, actually, he just happened to mention that he, uh, thought that I shouldn't leave the state for college, that I should go to, go to school in Colorado. And I mean, I don't know, this is like a whole other story, but I don't know what was happening like in his head in general, or I don't know what was going on behind the scenes or even why he said that, um, or like why that happened to be the day before. I don't think like, it didn't feel like that was necessarily like significant, you know, um, it was, it didn't feel like it was like, I don't know. He just said it. Yeah. Um, but it was such a, it was a really like marking moment for me. Yeah. And so I listened to him and I, you know, in kind of in a moment decided I'm not, I'm not leaving. Um, I think in a lot of ways it like put into perspective what was important and it was like, why was I so, why was I rushing to get out of here so much? Like I just, all of a sudden could see in a new way why it was important to be near my family and near my yeah, friends and that stuff. makes sense. And so I ended up going to the University of Colorado. But one of the things that I have noticed as I've been looking kind of back through these different pieces of my story is that one thing that's really true about me is I'm a dreamer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a dreamer that like actually believes that the things she's dreaming of can happen. Uh, and there have been a lot of times in my life where people have tried to dissuade me or like cushion the blow a little bit by being like, if this doesn't happen, it's going to be okay. And I appreciate that. You know, I know people want to like shield me from disappointment, um, but I don't need it and I don't want it necessarily. I really do like think that, you know, a a lot can like, I don't think I can be like a pro football player or things like that. It's not like you dream it, you can achieve it that, that way. But I do like, I do just dream really big and, and chase after the things I'm dreaming about. I will say, and we'll talk about this more, I think, in a little bit, but that I don't do that without fear. Mm. Um, I do that without fear, like at the beginning, but like halfway through, I'm like convinced that I'm going to crash and burn and everything's horrible and I'm so dumb for trying yeah. this. And so we'll talk about that in a minute. But when I'm dreaming like ahead, I'm really brave. But one thing that I'm I'm glad that I've been able to do, and I again, I don't know when I started doing this, is that I've been able to like reroute my dreams and like uh, not be super stubborn in mm. them. So if I'm dreaming of something and then something changes, the circumstances change, I haven't been so stubborn that I've held on to that dream, like no matter what. And I think that that's served me in a lot of ways that I never realized before. Cause I yeah. think a lot of people are like, well, I said I was going to go to California. So I'm going to California. Yeah. It's like, well, the situation changed a little bit. Or even on the opposite end of it, like if you start to hit either like roadblocks, like you said, or some sort of inklings that maybe you're you're not where you were thought you were headed. A lot of people just give up. Yeah. Right. So I think it's that like 
forward movement that's important too. Yeah, forward movement, but being able to like course correct Flexible a little bit. Flexible forward movement. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I was thinking about is like, I I think that over the years I've been able to dream in pencil, not in permanent marker. Oh, I love that. And I, yeah, I really like that because, and it doesn't make, it doesn't make me any less committed to the things I'm dreaming of. It doesn't mean that I don't think that they can happen. That's not why I'm like pivoting. It's because our, the first draft of our dreams isn't always the right thing. We have to like rewrite it a couple of times. So anyway, so that's, that's what happened. I really was positive that I was going to go to California and that's not where I ended up. So you ended up in Colorado, spoiler alert. How did you decide to start studying journalism then? Um, so I really looked at like all the list, the list of majors and just that's the one that looked most interesting. Okay. <laughs> like really there wasn't a total, a whole lot of thought or intention behind it. I had to pick like what general school I wanted to be part of. Okay. And the journalism school had like advertising in it and a couple different things. Um, and so I just sort of picked it on a whim and then ended up specifying and my major was broadcast news but it was crazy because this thing that started out as like like I sort of like meandered into it Mm -hmm. and then the more I found out about it and the more I got into it I just totally fell in love and started like sprinting um towards this goal of being of being a journalist but but then you you changed the course (laughs) again right again yeah how did that happen so one thing really quick is please do not let me forget to go find a video of me doing, I feel like that like needs to be my fun fact or something somewhere. Of you doing what? Uh, like my broadcast journalism career. <gasps> you have video? I have video. Of you like behind a desk with your, did you have a blazer on? I did have a blazer on. Of course on. you did. Yeah, of course I did. You d- should definitely dig that up. Yeah. Okay. I'll try to find that. Give the people what they want. <laughs> but yeah, so, so that dream changed as well. And that happened... Uh, conveniently, like mm, six months before I graduated from college. Classic, yeah. So I spent all of college, like devoting all of my time and energy into like uh, my classes and networking and internships and all kinds of things mm-hmm. and getting my resume tape ready. Like I was so ready to graduate. Um, I even thought about graduating early because I was so excited to get out there and like try, you know, try this out. But then uh, my junior, senior year, um, something crazy happened and I met Jesus. Mm. And this doesn't always have to be the case. I think I had this, I like believed for a while that any, like when, and I think a lot of us believe this, but when you become a Christian, you feel like you need to be a pastor or a missionary or something. It's like, there's like two acceptable jobs yes, (laughs) and those are them. That's not, that's not true. Uh, That's not true for anybody. And it wasn't true for me, but I did. The more I like, got to know God, the more, and the more I fell in love with him, the more I fell out of love with journalism. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it happened that way. Cause it's not either or by any means, but it really was for me. I ended up going on a mission trip to Costa Rica, my senior year of college. And I came back. It, so it was like in between semesters mm-hmm. and I came back and my, I was supposed to be starting an internship at NBC and I was so excited about it. It had taken me forever to get this internship. And I remember I had just a really like transformative time with God while I was in Costa Rica. Just, I feel like my faith had been kind of two-dimensional and then it like popped off the page and became like technicolor mm-hmm. um, in those 10 days. And so I got home and started this internship. And I remember walking in the front door the first day feeling like I should feel like a kid in a candy shop. Like that's how I used to feel. And just the passion was gone. And it was, it was really this really specific thing. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's like my, my heart, this piece of my heart that had been for journalism was just sort of carved out. Mm. And it was actually really sad. Like I, I grieved this dream. I grieved this like future. I, even though like it really was, this piece of my heart really was gone and like very noticeably so. But I was really sad about the fact that it was gone. And that was a really hard thing. And it was especially hard because my, I mean, I was about to graduate and I was just about to get a degree in this thing that all yeah. of a sudden I was like, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. And I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do instead. That's intense. So what did, what did you do? So I had started to get involved at a college ministry 
Um, that's who I went on the mission trip with. Okay. Um, and I remember talking to like the college pastor about all this and just being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Cause I really don't think I'm supposed to do this thing anymore. And it was such a shift. Like, I feel like if I could have gotten a tattoo on my forehead that said like future journalist, I would have, or if that was not the weirdest thing ever to do, I would have done it. <laughs> and so for me to just like walk away from it, I think my parents thought I'd like lost my mind. They were just like, what happened? But so I was talking to my college pastor and he said, you know, what if you just took a year? What if instead of barreling into a career, like you don't have to decide right now, what if you just took a year and he's like, spend another year here, mm. hang out in our ministry, like get involved. His wife ended up being my mentor for a year and she was just incredible. And he's like, just like dig some roots for a little while before you go off and figure out what's next for you in the world. And so I said, okay. And actually a couple weeks later, he ended up offering me a job. And so he hired me on, I was an intern, but an unpaid intern at that. It was very glamorous, <laughs> uh, but I got to be an intern for the college ministry and it, it, yeah, it was unpaid. I lived with a host family. So I lived with like someone else's family and I worked at a restaurant on the weekends and had like $4 to my name. <laughs> I think I would have starved if it wasn't for this other people's family feeding me and also my parents like you know, slipping a 20 in my pocket every oh, yeah. time I'd go home. <laughs> um, but that that's what I ended up doing for a year. So instead of jetting off into this like big journalism career that I had imagined for myself, I ended up being an intern at a college ministry. Back in Colorado. Did you, and you thought you'd do that forever, right? That's yeah. how much you loved it. How did you, how did you then reroute again? You got pulled away? So my job at the ministry was to just invest in college students. And specifically, they put me in charge of putting together like a Greek Bible study for sorority girls because I had been in a sorority and no one else like knew how to talk to sorority girls. <laughs> so, <laughs> Their language. Yeah, no one else spoke sorority girl except for me. I was fluent in it. So <laughs> I am probably. And so that was my job. And so I started a, a small group and it was crazy because I like announced it the first day and was like, okay, anyone who wants to come, anyone who's in a sorority. And I thought we'd get like three girls. Um, and I think we ended up having like 30 girls in, in this Bible study. And so every Sunday night we would all gather like on these big oversized couches and we would talk about life. And then during the week, my job, like my actual job again, okay, I didn't get paid, but my actual job um, was to just meet with people for coffee. And so I'd get to just sit down and talk to them about life and hear what they were going through and the thing that was so cool about it was that somehow the girls, like whatever they would bring to me was either something that I had just gone through or gone through like a year before. But it was just crazy to me how how many things we had in common or how many of the things that they were walking through were things I'd just been through. Um, and I think that that's really when it started for me, this idea of like being who you needed when you were younger. Yeah, And I loved it. And it was really cool because, I mean, I, I think it was the most purpose I'd ever felt in my life. And it also was cool because some of the things that we were talking about were things I wasn't necessarily proud of. Mm -hmm. Like they were giant mistakes I'd made or times when I'd gotten just like my heart shattered or where I'd gotten totally rejected or, um, yeah, done something really stupid. And those were the things that I was getting to talk to them about because they were sitting in the same place of like shame or heartbreak or yeah. disaster that I'd found myself in. And it was just this, it was like the first taste I ever got of God redeeming things mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah, And because I was able to like help someone through this thing, because I'd been there, I like no longer regretted it. Like I, it was mm -hmm. like, it, it became this tool instead of something weighing me down. I mean, I think you told me in one of the darker seasons of my life, your mess will become your message. Hmm. And I didn't believe you at the time, but it has, it's true. it has become true. And it seems like it was for you in that season too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. It was, it truly was like the best job I ever could have imagined. And I, I really felt more purpose in that time than I'd ever felt before ever. And so I really thought I would do it forever. Like I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to seminary. I'm going to be a college pastor. I'm, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Um, and that was kind of, that was the next, next plan. So then how did you obviously aren't doing that? So how <laughs> did you get pulled away from that? So I got pulled away from that by literally the only thing that could have possibly pulled me away from that. Uh, and that was the chance to travel around the world for mm -hmm. a year. Yeah. Um, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, this 
program kind of crossed my path. I you know knew someone who had done it. And at first I was like, this is crazy. The, the idea was to pack up a backpack and to travel around the world. Um, we were going to do 11 countries in 11 months. And I was like, that is insane. But also I just could not stop thinking about it. And, you know, if you guys have heard kind of more of my story of how I met Jesus, I became a Christian in Rome. Like I got to know God in Spain. I, I connect with like, you know, I, my whole life changed in Costa Rica. I just, I travel is one of the things that just brings me to life more than anything else. And it's, I, there's just something about it. I feel like God does the coolest things in my heart and in my life when I'm someplace else. And so I just, I I couldn't turn this down, but it also was the hardest, hardest, hardest decision because it it was like, leave this thing I love, this um, like career yeah. path. Like I'm looking for a career path here. I'd really yeah. like to have something that I know I'm going to do in the world. It was like, give up this thing I love or give up the opportunity of a lifetime. And there were two things that really helped me make the decision. And one of them was the knowledge that I could always go back. Mm. So it was like, and, and, um, a mentor of mine helped me kind of see this, that it's like, you can't always in every season pack up a backpack and travel around the world for a year. That's maybe something that like, isn't going to be as easy in a different time in life, but college ministry, like there will always be college students and there will always be like this, this will be open to you when you get back, putting it off for a year doesn't mean you're, you're saying no to it forever. Mm -hmm. And that was really helpful. And that's something that served me a lot through life is like, just because you turn left here doesn't mean you have to keep turning left. You can turn right. Like just because you accepted that job doesn't mean you have to keep it for the rest of your life. Like you yeah. can quit and do something different if you need to. But the other thing is there was this question that like popped into my head during one of the nights where I was just laying up, like staying up at night being like, what do I do? It just mm. felt like this total fork in the road moment. And the question was, if I knew that God was going to be holding my hand every step of the way, what would I do? And I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to do the trip. And I feel like that question really helped me bypass my fear and make the decision that I would have made if I was being really honest and if mm. I was being really brave. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I decided to do. I packed up a backpack and traveled around the world for a year. That's amazing. And so I know that on that trip, um, an old friend circled back around and you weren't really happy to see that at first. So I was uh, at like the training for that trip and um, we had to do all kinds of like, I don't know, I can't think of a better word for it. It's not exactly this, but like seminars, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. here's what to pack, here are what shots you need to get, here's yeah, yeah. like whatever. And there was one where I sit down and I'm not really paying attention. And then all of a sudden I look up at the screen and there's like a photo of a laptop and a camera and like, it's like journalism. And I'm like, what is this? And they start talking about what camera you should bring if you want to bring a camera and like what um, laptop and like how to tell stories from the field. And I felt like all of a sudden this old boyfriend that I'd broken up with and I'd finally gotten over was like dropped in my lap. And the worst part of about it is that they told us that, so everyone got a blog. They gave everyone a blog and they said, you know, we really ask that you post on your blog twice a week. And Mari, you know this about me, but I am such a rule follower. I'm not the person that's like, eh, who cares? Like, yeah. I'm like, well, they said. So you probably like, set a timer, didn't you? I, yeah. I'm like, oh, like it's time <laughs> to go. My calendar. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm like a total rule follower. And so they said post twice a week. And so I was like, I'm going to post twice a week. But I was really unhappy about it because it really did feel like this old boyfriend that I'd mm. finally gotten over that was like back in my life. And yeah. I just was mad about it. And I'm sitting there in that seminar, like looking up, like God's only up, you know, but I'm looking up and I'm like glaring at him like, thanks. What are you doing? Um, but it was really cool because I had missed it and, you know, getting to be out in the world the things that I got to see and the people I got to meet were just incredible and beautiful and getting to capture them with my camera, like, you know, taking photos and and taking videos and making videos and stuff. It was just this creative outlet. And it was, a, it was different from journalism. It like used all my skills, but it was still kind of different. And I just, I really, I really enjoyed it. And then the thing that I didn't expect was as I was writing on my blog, um, I was just sharing the things that I was learning and 
it, I ended up having kind of like the blog version of the conversations I used to have over coffee. Mm. And it was so much fun for me. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was so life-giving and also people started to read it. Mm-hmm. And at first it was like, you know, my mom, and then it was like a couple other people and a couple other people. And then it was people I didn't know. And I started getting messages from people just saying that, you know, getting to hear my story helped them in theirs. And it just like, I just fell in love with this. And it was just really cool that God had like this whole thing just felt so random. I just felt like I was running around and had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, looking back, God had taken these different pieces of my heart and woven them all together into this thing that I was actually uniquely equipped for and uniquely passionate about. And it was just like the biggest gift. Hey friends, I wanted to pop in for one quick second to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is a company called Native. Native is a deodorant brand that creates safe, simple, effective products with trusted ingredients. They have thousands of five-star reviews, so you know people are obsessed with their products. And I totally get why. For the last few years, I've been trying to incorporate cleaner, non-toxic products into my everyday routine. And I love this brand because they use simple ingredients that are found in nature, like coconut oil and shea butter, and they formulate their products without aluminum, parabens, or talc. You guys, I have tried so many different types of deodorant, and this one is by far my favorite. Making the switch to an aluminum-free deodorant was so easy, and it really, truly works great. They're also amazing because they have something for everyone. Native has scents for both men and women, and the one I've been using lately is actually the natural scent. It doesn't have any extra scent, and I really like it because it doesn't compete with any perfume or anything else I have going on. But no matter what scent you choose, Native is so awesome because they don't leave you with this weird like half sweat, half deodorant smell that so many other brands leave you with even after just a couple hours. You smell fresh and clean all day long. And my favorite part about Native is that I feel comfortable using it because I know I'm not putting any scary chemicals on my skin. Now, along with deodorant, Native also has body wash and toothpaste. And for this holiday season, they have deodorant, body wash, and toothpaste in scents like candy cane, sugar cookie, and fresh mistletoe. Isn't that so fun? I love switching things out in my house and in my routine as the holidays get closer. It makes the season feel even more festive. So like bright red towels in my bathroom or Christmassy pillows on the couch and candy cane body wash. Yes, please. Also, I love a good mint body wash. It's so refreshing and spa-like. And of course, I love Native even more because they have a gift for my listeners. Friends, I know you're going to love Native's limited time seasonal products as much as I do. You can go to nativedeodorant.com and use code GIRLS to get 20% off your first purchase at checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and the code is GIRLS for 20% off. I want to give you that one more time just so that you have it. It's nativedeodorant.com and the code is GIRLS. Native, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We just love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back in my conversation with Mari. That's so cool to hear. And then I know the next step that that actually turned into your next job. Is that right? Yeah. So while I was traveling, I started dreaming again. (laughs) Um, And I started dreaming of doing two things when I got, well, three things when I got home. One was taking a good shower Mm. (laughs) and sleeping in like a really like soft bed, not on the floor. And then I started dreaming about um, creating my own little corner of the internet because I loved this blog, but like, it didn't look like me and it didn't feel like me and I couldn't like do very much with it, Mm -hmm. um, other than just like post blog posts. And so I started dreaming, like, what would it look like to make a space of my own? And I have so many like notebooks and sketches and ideas and stuff. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with a new idea and I'd write it down. And that's really when a lot of what exists today, like that's when the seeds were planted for it. And then the other thing I started to dream about was moving to California. (laughs) <laughs> because uh, I didn't get to you the first time. And so I was like, this is my moment. But then a few months before I came home from the trip, the organization that puts on the trip reached out to me um, about coming to work for them. And they are based in Georgia, which is a part of the country I had never thought about, been to, visited. Like I had no, I didn't know anything about the South. And uh, the job they were offering me was really cool because I was going to be their chief storyteller, which is 
super fun title. Cool title. And I was going to get to make videos for them and I was going to get to work in the marketing department. And then I also got to start uh, an online magazine for them. And I mean, the job they offered me was like my dream job. Mm -hmm. And so I, and I didn't know what else I was going to do. And so I decided to take it, but I ended up negotiating my way into the idea that I would work there in Georgia for six months, but then I would be able to take my job remote and I was going to move to California then. So that was the plan. Uh, and they actually, they like went for it and said, yes. It must have been so convincing. <laughs> I I don't know how I did it. <laughs> yeah. But then you didn't actually end up moving to California, right? No. Things changed again. Your dreams changed again. They did because uh, I walked into work on my very first day and my new boss was, you know, walking me around. He's like, this is this person. This is what they do. This is this person. This is what they do. And then he brought me to this one guy's desk and said, this is our creative director. His name is Carl Wilson. And that was dun, pretty dun, much dun. the end. <laughs> that was the end of California. California who? Seriously. Um, and really, like, I mean, it took us about a month to start dating. And uh, it was kind of a, it was a whole thing from there. But I really, you know, started to love my job. And I loved the community I was around. And I actually loved Georgia, which was just, I just hadn't thought about it before. I'd never known anything about it. And then... I was falling in love. And so these like six months came and went and I totally did not even notice. But that's kind of another example of that dreaming in pencil idea mm-hmm. because, you know, if I had said like, no, I am going to California. I'm making this happen. Sorry, Carl. Yeah, I would have missed out on yeah. the best person mm-hmm. I've ever known. And and so it's like, I don't know, there's this, when we're talking about dreaming, forward motion is so important. Mm-hmm. Like we have to, we have to try things. We have to go for it. And we have to go for it with some conviction and mm-hmm. with some determination because there will be people who are like, this is unrealistic. Or yeah. there'll be moments when you're like, this is unrealistic. I, I'm never yeah. going to make it. Um, so you have to move forward with some conviction. But also I think we really do need to be open to being like rerouted along the way because mm-hmm. again, we don't always dream the best thing the first time around. I've heard this quote attributed to Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if it's his or not, where he says, I walk slowly, but I never walk backwards. Oh, and I feel like that's sort of my story is like, I go slow, but I like, hopefully don't give up on myself. And I feel like yours would be like, I walk in a meandering path that sometimes <laughs> makes curly cues and circles, but I never go backwards and I never stop walking. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but I walk with like a purpose. <laughs> yeah. Really, really true. So you and Carl are dating, you get engaged, you're both working at this missions organization, but you were also still doing your thing on the side, right? Yeah. So at this point I had like built my own little blog. Uh, it was called stephanielouisemay.wordpress.com at the time. <laughs> Catchy. And I know. I know. <laughs> um, and it's funny because like, that's still like it. I mean, it's changed forms a little bit, but it's not like, like it's still basically that. Yeah. I don't think that URL works anymore, goes anywhere, but, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's still like, that was the beginning of it. And that was in 2012. So I was really mostly what I was doing was, was blogging and loving it and getting to kind of like lead the small group I used to lead, Mm -hmm. but just online. Yeah. And then Carl was doing uh, some like freelance design work for some clients on the site also. And I mean, life was going really well. It was stable. It was good. We were both growing and learning a lot. One of the cool things about my job at the time was that what I was learning at work directly translated into what I wanted to do and like what I was doing on the mm, side. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot, you know, a lot of times we kind of hate on day jobs and, but like every day job I've had has been really helpful yeah. in what I've learned, like in, in everything else that I've ever done. And so like, I had the chance to be part of like a business group where we got some like mentoring and, you know, we had, I learned some things about business. I'd never known anything about business. And, um, I had some, you know, personal and also spiritual mentors, you know, because I was part of the organization and I was on the marketing team. And so I learned all kinds of things about marketing. I didn't know anything about marketing and it just was really, it was really cool because it was just a crash course and all these things that I would like that I wanted to know that I didn't know that I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all happened through my day job. And so Carl and I had a conversation about four months before our wedding where we were like, okay, you know, looking forward, we both want to do our own thing at some point. Um, you know, I wanted to be a full-time writer and he wanted to own a marketing agency. And so we're like, okay, we want to do that at some point. But we thought that was like 
decades down the road. And, you know, we thought, you know, maybe we'll move someplace else. Maybe we'll do something else, you know, before then. But we want to stay in Georgia at this organization for like at least another year. We have good mentors here, good friends, some stability, a paycheck. Like we're getting married. That's changing in our lives. We don't want to like uproot anything else. And so that was the decision we made like four months before our wedding. We're like, okay, cool. We're just going to stay here for like another year and just keep everything just as easy and consistent and stable as possible. But then the the rug was totally ripped out from under you, right? So, uh, <laughs> plot twist. <laughs> a month later, uh, so three months before our wedding, um, and I think I've told this story before, but Carl and I were going into work a random Thursday in March, and we ended up getting called into an office with a very important-looking executive and our boss and told that, uh, we no longer worked there, like effective Ugh. immediately. And I mean, they were really nice about it. It wasn't, we hadn't done anything wrong. It wasn't just me and Carl. It was a quarter of the organization. Um, but they just kind of ran out of money and just had to make some cuts. But it was sudden and shocking and heartbreaking because it wasn't just our job that was there. It was our community. It was our, you know, felt like our family in a lot of ways. As our paycheck, and we were about to get married three months before um, your wedding. And both of us, it was, yeah, it was, it was absolutely like the most shocking, kind of embarrassing, even. And yeah. again, it wasn't because we did anything wrong, but like, I just, I didn't know there was like a we lost our jobs club until I lost my job. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there's a we lost our jobs club. Like, it's, and not everyone's a member, but the members that are in it are like, I remember that yep. so clearly. Yeah, it's, it was just a total shock and really scary. And that's not how we planned on entering our marriage. My goodness, yeah, because you're three months out. Yeah. Weddings in three months. What did So what did you guys do? That was when I started taking my blog a little bit more seriously. I actually put together a writer's weekend. And it was the first, it's actually like one of the only events I've ever done. Um, but it was really fun. And so I put that together and that was kind of my very first thing that was like, not just writing a blog post. It was like taking it a little bit bigger. Um, and so I did that as we were planning our wedding and, um, Carl started looking for jobs. I started looking for jobs. I think between the two of us, we must've applied for like 50 jobs or something like that. And we either, Carl got the runaround on a couple, like, you know, we want to hire you maybe, but like we haven't gotten it approved budget wise yet or something for a couple jobs. I mostly just didn't hear back from anybody. Meanwhile, clock's ticking. Yeah, like, clock's ticking. Oh. We were like, our leases are running out. We need to move somewhere. Like on a napkin, we wrote down all the cities we could think of moving to. And we're like, I don't know. And so, yeah, no, I mean, nothing was working out. I wasn't getting calls from anybody. And I ended up reaching out to a friend of ours who was doing, who was a full-time writer. And she was doing like what I wanted to be doing. And she lived in Nashville. And so... Carl was like, why don't you reach out to her and just see what she would do in this situation? And so I called her and she and her husband ended up inviting us up um, for the weekend. And so we came up to Nashville and it was my first time in Nashville. And we hung out with them for the weekend. And at the end of the weekend, she ended up asking me if I wanted to be her assistant. Um, And so it was a part-time job. And it meant that I could do my own stuff on the side, which was also tricky because I like didn't make any money. So I don't I don't know where like how we were doing math at that point. And then Carl didn't have a job, but he, you know, thought he could do some freelance design work. And so we ended up moving to Nashville a week before our wedding with a half a job between us. But a half a job is better than no jobs. Half a job is better than no jobs. <laughs> yes. But that even that situation didn't didn't last very long, did it? No, it didn't. And and it's a complicated story, uh, but it ended up ending in a in a like pretty sad, sad way. There was like some, like, it's not you, it's me, but we're breaking up kind of. And and we were really sad. Like we didn't, we didn't want to be broken up with. We thought we'd found something that we could do for a while. And the detail I kind of forgot is that Carl had ended ended up like working with the husband. And so they ended Mm -hmm. up starting like a marketing company together. And so I was working with the wife and he was working with the husband. So the four of us were this little pod and they were sort of our first little home in Nashville, our only friends. And it felt like that was kind of our stability for a minute, but it really only lasted for about six months. And so by the time we had been married a year, we had already lost four jobs between the two of us. That's not a very good track record. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But um, through no fault of your own, though. I know. I know. It really, like, 
<laughs> we really didn't do that on purpose. And so really for, so we ended up cleaning out our desks for the second time together. And I remember we got home and we're sitting in our little apartment and we were just like, we're there in the middle of the day, which is the most shocking thing about losing your job. I guess it's different now with gosh, COVID that's been shocking in a whole bunch of different ways, but being home in the middle of the day when you should be at work is like very eerie. You're like, something like something has has happened. Mm-hmm. And so we got home and just looked at each other and we're like, we can we can either try to find jobs again or we can give our own thing a go. Mm-hmm. At that point, I think we had like $11 in our bank account. And I mean, so we didn't have a whole lot to lose. And we we thought that like we'd be able to get a job somewhere. Like if if we tried tried out something wild and scary and it didn't work out. We we could get jobs somewhere. But the thing is that like people always talk about doing your own thing as really risky. And at that point it didn't feel risky to us anymore because we had done two things that seemed like good ideas and seemed yeah. like solid ideas. Yeah. We had like stepped on two stones that seemed to be stable and both ended we ended up in the water. And so yeah. doing our own thing, at least we couldn't like get fired. Yeah. And so we both started doing our own thing. Carl started his own marketing and branding agency. And I, at the time, found a couple women online who were teaching about business. And I was like, well, I, you know, I don't have anything to teach about business, but I got to learn a lot from them, which was cool. I got to learn how to like really put together your website and how to make things for people. And, but I also found, I found this woman who knew a lot about style and like fashion and clothes and getting dressed in the morning and making that not quite such a hard thing. And she was teaching through like courses and she had workbooks and she had all these different things. And something about that just really caught my attention. And I was like, this is really interesting. I could do that. Not about fashion. (laughs) Uh, Not about fashion. fashion. But it like, I didn't know that that was an option that Mm. you could, you know, I had a blog and I had people that were reading my words and I was emailing back and forth with them and talking about different pieces of life. And, but it just never occurred to me that I could like make something for them or that I could write a book for them or I Mm. could, you know, I really, I wished I could just have everyone in my living room and just have a giant small group. But if I, if that wasn't an option, what's the next best thing? Yeah. And so I started thinking about that. And so that's when I started, you know, making resources to help women find friends because that's mm-hmm. where I was at the time. Yeah. And I put together the first version of my course, Love Your Single Life. And I, you know, wrote my book, The Lipstick Gospel and all these things. And I just got to try a bunch of different things and dream and and put things, like make things for the women who had been hanging out in my, in, like in my little blog world for a while. Yeah. And it's been, gosh, when did that happen? I was just going to ask you what year that was. That was 2015. Yeah, that was 2015. And so it's been like a little over six years at this point. And I mean, slowly but surely, I've been like learning more things and trying more things. And some things I've gotten horribly wrong and some things I've like done okay. And, but it's cool because, you know, I think our, our, the dream for a lot of us is to enjoy what we do each day. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend a lot of time working, you know, we spend a lot of time doing something and it's really cool when you can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And when you do something that you care about, when you're, you're passionate about it and when you're good at it and you're like, I see a problem in the world and I can do a little bit to, to fix it, or at least fix it a little bit for a few people. And that's just a really cool feeling. And then get to get to like actually pay some of your bills doing it is just the most empowering, amazing thing. And I love the work I get to do and I love the women in our community. And I love that it really does feel like I'm like still getting to lead that small group on the couches in Boulder. Uh It's just a little bigger these days. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's probably like what makes your work so special is that like that personal touch to it, that it does feel like you're on the couch together. I love that. And I think it's important to add that that type of clarity, that type of like looking back and seeing how everything connects and how everything served you and how God had a plan all along that he was pulling these qualities out of you, that type of clarity a lot of times, at least for me, doesn't come until like five years later or 10 years later. So if you're sitting in your, I just got let go from my job (laughs) three months before my wedding or your 
I really thought this dream was going to work out and I can't believe it didn't because everything seemed to be pointing to it. If you're sitting in that moment, like Steph and I at least like never would have been in that moment being like, eh, this will lead to something or like I, this sucks, but I know that eventually I'll use this. It's like, it's so hard to see that, especially yeah. when you're building your career. So I would say it will be an asset to you. Like that's an encouragement, everything you said, but you, it might be a couple of years before you see that, but keep going with the knowledge that the further along you go, you're able to see a, a lot clearer. Yeah. And especially like, I know you've said that the job you had right after college, right? Mm-hmm. You hated it. Yes. Hated it. Hated it. And it now 10, 15 years, I've been out of college for 15 years, <laughs> 15 years later, I am starting to see hints of like, oh, this is actually so helpful to me. I'm so glad I had that experience because now I have this really bizarre specific skill that I need for what I'm doing now. And I would have had to go out and pay money to learn that skill, but now I have it or whatever. Or this one person that I met randomly when I was at that terrible job is actually like one of my, you know, one of my best encouragers in what I'm doing now or one of my best connections. So I think it's like sometimes... Sometimes it's like Slumdog Millionaire, you know, (laughs) where it's like this one thing, you know, this one specific skill. But I think sometimes it's like, it's just more general. It's like, you know, I wouldn't have known how to be a hard worker if I hadn't had such a unforgiving boss, you know, or I wouldn't have known how to, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's more general, but definitely like gosh, I had no idea how any of these things were going to turn out in the moment. I cried and I whined and I Mm -hmm. prayed that God had abandoned me. (laughs) I like, you know, did all of the things. But I do think that at least for me, the idea, every time I've gone through something and been like, actually, wait, I think I see a little bit of purpose in this. Mm -hmm. That helps me next time. Yes. So holding on to that to be like, okay, last time this happened, something really cool came from it. Mm -hmm. So then the next time I'm in kind of a a between place really, or a pit of some kind, Mm -hmm. I can go, okay, something in this is going to help me. I have no idea what it is. Most of it just really sucks, but maybe something is going to, I don't, and I I don't know what it is, but I think it just has helped me like pay a little bit better attention Mm -hmm. and have a little bit of hope, like enough hope to just kind of get through it. Yeah. To just keep going. Yeah. And so, so talking about your work specifically, I guess, I know that this is one of your favorite questions to ask other people, but I'm going to flip it and ask you, what are a few of the things that you've done in your work so far? This, this story that you've just told us that you're the most proud of, Um, of all the things you've created. I love that. I love asking people that question, especially people who I, one of the first people I asked that to is uh, a friend of ours who's a country artist. And when I first met him, I just asked him that because I think that we don't ask people that question but like everyone has something they're proud of Mm -hmm. and it's really cool to have someone reflect on that and then also to get to like you know we're always like don't brag and like what if you could brag for a minute Mm -hmm. like what is something that you're like I can't believe that happened that's awesome Mm -hmm. so like a couple things and these are kind of random but one of the things I'm really proud that I've gotten to do are well so one of them is that I was able to pay off my student loans with my with money from my writing and having student loans really sucks and it feels like you're under this like mountain you'll never get over. And then also being a writer, people tell you you're never going to make any money ever, 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 ever in your Mm -hmm. life. And getting to take that money that I had made like through my work and like pay off my student loans and just erase them completely was just a really, really, really cool feeling. That's a really big deal. Other things are like, it's hard. These are like, I don't know. There's, they're not in, in any order, but another one of the things I'm so proud of is this show. I love girls night. And it really started out as this, it started out because I had a couple of dinners with friends back to back where I was so encouraged by our conversation that I felt bad that no one else got to hear it. I just, I walked away being like, I understand God better and I understand the world better. And I feel like, I'm, like something has unlocked in me. And I just, like really did. I felt kind of selfish that I was the only one who, who got to hear the conversation. And so I just was like, what if we record it? Like, what if we record it and share it? And is this going to be valuable? Is anyone going to care about this? Is this only helpful to me? But we've had more than 4 million people download the show, which is a number that is so big. I cannot (laughs) even wrap my head around it. 
But really the thing that that shows me is just that this is valuable. Like this friendship thing, getting to hear from women who are either right beside you or like Mm -hmm. a couple steps ahead of you that it matters. Yeah. And it's really, I just am so proud that I've gotten to, to share that. Um, and then I think the last thing is like, I'm really proud of my book, the lipstick gospel. Uh, if you guys haven't read it, it's it's really the story of the darkest and hardest and most broken time in my life and how Jesus showed up right in the middle of it. And the way that he showed up was spectacular and unique. And I loved the process of writing the book because it was my it's just the coolest story to get to live. Also really hard, <laughs> really hard, but also really cool. And I love getting to share it with women because I feel like I get to introduce them to the God that I know. I sometimes have a hard time finding books that talk about God in a way I can relate to. And so, no, like getting to hear from women that I've been able to write something that they can relate to in a unique way just really means a lot to me. Good answers. (laughs) So, (laughs) as we're wrapping up, I know that you have had a lot of twists and turns along the way, times when things didn't go right or go well. And I would love, to know what you would go back and say to yourself in a few of those moments along the way. Like if you could be who you needed when you were younger, if you could go back to little Steph, like what would you tell her? Okay. So there are a couple of things. One thing is one thing I really struggled with for a really long time was comparison Mm. because like this idea that does what I'm doing even matter if she's doing it too and doing it better. And the answer I finally came up with is that until the problems are all solved, there's still room for us. Mm. So until every woman knows that she is loved, until every person knows that God loves them, until every belly is full, until everyone has clean water to drink, until every kid knows how to spell and um, read and write, until, you know, every home feels safe, until, you know, until all these things, like there's still work to be done. Mm -hmm. And, the other thing is like the way that you will do work, the way that I do work, like what I wish I could tell myself is like the way that you will do this is different from how other people will do it. And in some ways it's the same, but how often do we need to hear the same message more than once? Uh And like, there are pieces of your story that people will relate to in a unique way because they are where you used to be and they need to hear from someone who's been there. And so that's really like when it comes to comparison, like, yeah, it still matters. And it still matters as long as these are still, like, until everything's fixed and solved and done, mm-hmm. there's still room. Another thing I wish I could tell myself is that everyone is scared because for the longest time, I would feel, like, I feel like I told you guys a bunch of stories today that make me sound really brave. But the thing you don't know is what happens on Wednesday. And what happens on Wednesday is that all of a sudden, the idea that I had Wednesday is like halfway through for me. So it's like, whatever the thing is, like Mm -hmm. when it's, I'm like in it and I've committed and I've started trying to do the thing, but it's not totally done yet. I haven't figured it out all the way. I panic. I totally panic. And everything that I thought was a good idea just like turns into like dirty, stinky socks Mm -hmm. and especially things I've made. So it's like, you know, I write this book and I, or this podcast, you know, it's like, I dream it up and I'm so excited about it and I commit to it. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing this and this is going to be awesome. And then I start working on it. And then it's like, right as I'm about to share it, I feel like I'm about to share the dumbest, most boring, most useless thing with people. And I, for the longest time, I thought that maybe I wasn't cut out for this or maybe this isn't what God wanted me to do because I felt that way. It was like, this has to be a bad sign. The fact that I feel like absolute devastating fear right now has to mean that this is not right for me. And, but that's not true. Everyone is afraid. Every single person is afraid. Everyone feels like a fraud. Everyone is totally unsure if they're, if they are smart enough or capable enough or called or whatever the thing is, like everyone is scared. And so then the other thing is like, I learned a long time ago that I need to lock myself in to whatever the thing is, like as far in advance as possible, because that's when I'm brave. So I need to commit to doing the podcast like well before Wednesday. Mm, That makes sense. And then when Wednesday comes, like, just don't stop. Mm. Um, Like, don't, don't stop and don't, like, don't trust yourself on Wednesday. 
Mm. Like, don't trust the things that your brain tells itself on Wednesday. Just keep going. Because then you get to the other side and you get to see, oh, my book actually does make sense. Or like, this actually did bring value to someone. Even if it's one person, it's still worth it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like when you get to Wednesday, just don't believe anything your brain says Mm -hmm. and just keep going. And then the last thing would really be whenever you feel lost or like you're not sure what you're doing or why or where you're supposed to be going, like be who you needed when you were younger. Mm. Because when you go through something hard in life, no matter what it is, that experience transforms you into the exact person that someone is going to need when they are going through that thing too. And so if you don't know what to do with your career or with your time or with, you know, you feel like you want to add something to the world or to your family or to whatever, like look at your past, like look, turn around, look at what you've been through and then be who you needed when you were younger. And that feels like it gets me right back on track every time. Oh, that's such solid advice. I was supposed to be doing hosty things, but I was just nodding and smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Mari, do we have any more questions? No, that was it, I think. I just got wrapped up, but then I'm like, no, that was it. (laughs) That's all I had. Take all the notes, drink it all in. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I really had a moment, um, and maybe this is true, and you guys can tell me, you guys, whatever, but I had a moment yesterday. I sent Mari a voice text, and I was like, I have this idea of doing an episode about this, but like, does anyone care about this? Is this stupid? Like, does this matter at all? And so yeah, I like Wednesday. And yesterday was Wednesday. Oh my gosh, yesterday was Wednesday. <laughs> don't trust yourself on Wednesday. Wednesday stuff. Um, Wednesday stuff. It's tricky. Yeah, don't listen to her. But I totally did. I had a Wednesday moment on Wednesday yesterday where I was like, does this even matter? And so, I mean, I hope it does for someone. I hope it's encouraging for someone. If you're in a between place with your work and with life, you aren't alone. And I really, really, truly believe that the experiences you've had and the experiences you're having now will matter and and help you do whatever the thing is that's next. And you don't need a five-year plan. So take that pressure off yourself. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mari, thank you for doing this with me. Of course. It was really fun. You guys, if you want to hear more from Mari, you should go check out her podcast. It's called The Pause. It's incredible. We'll link to it in our show notes. Mm-hmm. But you also want to go follow her on Instagram. She's truly one of my favorite people to follow in the world, even if we weren't friends. And also we'll tell you a ton about the book of belonging as it's coming out because I just will love it if our Girls Night community just rallied so hard behind you and behind this project. Ugh, I would love that too. Please do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Mission accomplished. Mission, mission accepted. Thanks, Mari. Thanks. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am so, so grateful for all of you. And I'm so glad that I got to share this story with you. Don't forget that if you ever want to find the links for anything we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. Just head over to girlsnightpodcast.com and you'll find the links for everything, including links for Mari so that you can follow along with her and so y'all can be friends and so you can pre-order your copy of The Book of Belonging. The Kickstarter is going for just a few more weeks and I would love it if we could just rally around her and support her like crazy. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. We won't send you an email or anything. It'll just make sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask you guys a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I'd be so grateful. All right, friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls' Night, and I'll see you next week. 